There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast with Greg Smith and Jay Foreman. Tell it to me straight up. Hello and welcome in to the Straight Up Breakdown podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. You're now I've got to try Oatly fake milk now because I guess I'm the only person that liked that commercial friend. <laughs> I am Jay Foreman. I think I'm going to be the newest uh, uh, person to try TB12 avocado ice cream considering how Tom Brady is uh, beaten father time. So I need to get it rejuvenated. Man, I mean, I, and it's funny you say that, too, because I, I just saw a thing, uh, a poll on Twitter from somebody that said, is Father Time still undefeated today? Yes or no, which is funny uh, because Tom Brady seems to have the only secret. So maybe we do all need to be eating avocado ice cream, as nasty as that sounds, because I'm not a, I'm not an avocado person. I did not get on that bandwagon. Uh, look, not my job. But we'll see. Maybe we this is he the one with the special water, or was that Russell Wilson that had the special water? I think that was Russell Wilson. But Tom Brady has been doing some uh, unique stuff where he doesn't really he lifts weights, but his thing is about uh, trying to make his muscles uh, more elastic, you know, and um, I guess to withstand the different, you know, as you've seen Patrick Mahomes get bent up last night and got almost tried to get bench pressed through the ground like. Uh, from Indomitian Sioux. So maybe that's what you need to do or what everybody else should be trying to do to, to get some longevity, not only in sports, but uh, in life to feel better. Yeah, it's really interesting, too, because, it, you know, we and we see this right now with Tom Brady, who I feel the greatest quarterback ever. We see it um, in the NBA with LeBron James, um, arguably the greatest basketball player ever. Like, guys, uh, actually, at the same amount of time, at the same time as the Super Bowl yesterday, which is just bad timing for them, there was a tennis tournament going on, Serena Williams um, playing again. We've seen her career extended. So I feel like we are kind of in this – we're in this golden age of icons being able to prolong their their uh, careers and be able to make it through and dominate longer. Um, the only the one that's kind of unfortunate because it's just so many injuries caught up to him and it happened again here recently was Tiger Woods. We've kind of seen what kind of continued to happen with his back and whatnot. Um, but we definitely are in this golden era where if if athletes at elite like iconic athletes pay attention to their bodies and want to try to really make those sacrifices, they can make these primes last quite a bit longer now. Yeah. And it is not only that is that I think that they are welcoming the mental aspect of it because the younger generation that's coming in is more all about uh, the glitz of, you know, what, what I can, you know, run or what, what I can be dynamic athletically. Right. Where you think like, even like an Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, um, even a little bit with Drew Brees, obviously Tom Brady, they know when they play that position that they're going to be uh, head and shoulders literally uh, above everybody else and they continue to do it. So um, not only you got to take care of your body, but you got to make sure that you're mentally sharper than everybody else because um, they have taken the stance of playing the quarterback is an art form. So when other people come in 
and you know whether it's the RPO guy or the young you know say like Darnold with the Jets right he was the guy that's going to be the next guy even Tua you know is 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 you know just as recent as last year but they're they're thinking about or would would trade him for Deshaun Watson and maybe he's not the franchise quarterback right they know these guys coming in are just fast they've seen it before and they just keep playing and they get better physically and mentally and there's so much science out there as far as your diet how you train um, I think the longer offseason actually helped older guys like Brady because they were able to, you know, you know, let their bodies recover. It's not as taxing uh, as far as going through all the mini camps and, and so forth and so on. And you got a little bit of rejuvenation of, you know, getting the uh, I'll call it the, the New England turn their nose up at him and just let him go and didn't try to bring him back, which he wanted to come back not only one year, but two years, the second year in a row that they did that. Um, and so he, he came back and it was, it worked out perfect. They had a talented roster down there, uh, to go with the quarterback. That's, uh, he's definitely aging, but he's aging gracefully. I mean, you look at his stats and the way he's played, especially from week 12 on, uh, he's been lights out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we're going to dive deep into the Super Bowl because if, if you were living under a rock, there's no way you got here without knowing that Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl 31 to 9 um, last night in pretty dominating fashion. fashion. They dominated that game from start to finish. And we're going to dive some more into that. Um, but first, I want to go ahead and get to one of our favorite topics um, that we start off the show with each week called Coach Speak, where we go over something that a coach, a player, uh, or a talking head said. And we we tell them what tell you what they really meant. Coach, speak to real talk. Um, now, this week comes courtesy of Tampa Bay Buccaneers rookie Antoine Winfield Jr., and I'm already laughing because I love this last night. Um, Winfield Jr. said this after the game about his taunting penalty that he got against Tyreek Hill late in the game. He said, the taunting, man, that's something I had to do. When we played them earlier this season, Hill went off. He black he backflipped right in front of my face and gave me the peace sign. So it was only right that I gave him the peace sign right back to him. It felt amazing to be able to do that. So we go, we know what he meant because he told us that he, it felt amazing to do it. But Jay, what was your reaction to that moment? And did you know? Did you remember that Tyreek Hill kind of acted a fool in that game earlier in the season? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, I mean, look, what goes around comes around. And the NFL players will find, and, and that's not a small thing, but generally NFL players will sm- find the smallest thing to, you know, motivate them and use it when they, you know, when they can. And and that's the way it is. Those tables turn, boy, and and they turn at the most inopportune time where um, maybe Tyreek Tyreek Hill has been doing that for years. But yeah. and if you know, look, I've been knowing Antoine Winfield Jr. since he's been, you know, duking in his diapers because I played with Antoine. He's one of the greatest teammates and one of the greatest football players I played with. So um, I know I know how he's built. I know how he's built. He's a motivated kid. Uh, he's very, very competitive and he's a football player before anything. And uh, he takes the game serious. He's, he's not going to be out there and back down from anybody and he's not going to disrespect the game. So he felt disrespected. Uh, they felt like you, you hear, you know, you heard the various players that they felt like the second half of that game uh, when they that was in more indicative of who the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were and are. And so they knew that they could play with them and they knew once they had the game over uh, and, you know, obviously there was a chance that when Tyreek Hill missed that, you know, that play, you know, welcome back. You know, reality comes back to you and it smacks you in the face. Now, um you know, it's one of those things that uh, you got to always be careful what you do. And, and when you're rubbing it into, you know, professionals, you know, faces, they will, you know, find a little bit of a payback. And uh, 
it was a full-fledged, fresh butt kicking, as my grandma used to say. And uh, Kansas City, you know, got brought back to reality. And, and I'm going to say this about Tom Brady. This is funny, and I was thinking about this. Look, Tom Brady sent Drew Brees into retirement, and he's like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to show you who the, the, you know, you know, the head man is. I would give a, you know, different acronym for it. And then I'm going to play with your kids afterwards, right? And just, you know, you know, just kill you with kindness after I just cut your heart out, right? Then he, then he, then he took it a step further. I beat Aaron Rodgers so bad that he announced he's a, he's engaged to a fiance nobody even knows about on national TV after winning the, uh, you know, the MVP. And then he just brought Patrick Mahomes back to reality and uh, back to the drawing board. That that's a bad boy right there. When uh, you know that, that's going to send the the proverbial goat of all time supposedly back to the lab and say, man, get your game right before you try to take over this throne. So Tom Brady's a bad boy, man. And I always say, look, he he. He's one of those guys that uh, I mean, whether you call it the dog or whatever, but he will cut he he will cut your heart out, and he is ruthless when he competes. And you saw it with Tyron Matthew. You've seen it throughout his career. Um, he just has it. And you know, one thing I will say this, and uh, I'm gonna tweet it out later. You know, um, New England Patriots and 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 the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and all the fans of Tom Brady um, need to thank Lloyd Carr for screwing him over at Michigan <laughs> for so many years that it's made him almost angry at the whole world because he's been disrespected obviously through high school and all that stuff. But Tom Brady was better than everybody at Michigan, but you kept playing mind games with him. So he never forgot that. It was kind of like he has PTSD in a good way. And now the NFL is paying for all Lloyd Carr's head games and stupidity. So it all, if you want to blame somebody for Tom Brady's success, and obviously Bill Belichick needs to thank him too, you just got to blame Lloyd Carr because he's the one that did this. He's the one that set forth the path of Tom Brady that had a dad bot at 22 and probably ran a 40 and forever. He's still everybody. Yeah, he, now he's running a 40, 40 and, I don't know, two Christmases or something. But he, and he said, then he said in the, this offseason he wants to get faster. That's the best thing about it. Um so you got to thank Lloyd Carr, man. I mean, he, he's the guy that uh, set forth uh, Tom Brady on this path to stardom to the best of all time. Um, and sometimes, you know, you need somebody to do it, but it's definitely Lloyd Carr's fault. So I hate Lloyd Carr even more because they split the national championship with us uh, <laughs> one year. But then also uh, that you, 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 you know, made Tom Brady beat me so many times at the end of the game. Uh, and put something in them that nobody else maybe had had in him until you started messing with them at Michigan. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's crazy, too, because, you know, you mentioned Tom Brady having that dog or being that kind of ultimate competitor, and you just had a feeling. Like, even when that when the game started kind of slow, and I was kind of surprised that it started that way cause with the different offenses um, and how potent those offenses were. Um, but you saw and you just kind of – Brady was not going to panic, though. Like, that was a situation where you knew that eventually he was going to get that thing right and they were going to get humming. And you mentioned it kind of like Brady isn't doing it the same way as maybe that that season, of course, where, like, through the 50 touchdowns and that Randy Moss year and they were just high-flying all over the place even when they lost that year. Like, it's 
different with what he's doing now because he just seems so efficient. Like I can't, you can't picture many times last night when he got either a second opportunity because of a dumb chiefs penalty or a bad call, whichever way you want to say it. Um, and there were enough dumb penalties to where and dumb things the chiefs did that I don't think you could just solely blame the refs. But at the same time, Tom Brady took advantage of all of those, right? Right. So like, we would have a penalty and then boom, rip your heart out, score a touchdown, throw a dart in the back of the end zone to Gronk, right? Like right. make a play to give them an extra first down. Okay, here comes another touchdown on your head right after that. Like it was just like every opportunity, and this happens every once in a while, where you you just see it coming, where every opportunity that he got, he was going to make the most of it. And he was locked in last night. And you could see it a little bit in pregame um, where it felt like he was one step short of saying he was guaranteeing a victory because right. they, something happened with that game plan that Tampa Bay had um, where they felt extremely confident about what they had going into that game. Let's break that down. Yeah, they did. Uh, and, you know, they, they the one thing I also say, I said it last week that, a lot of it, a lot of it's going to come down to Bruce Arians if he can get out of his own way. Right. And, and really since week 12, uh, he got out of the way and let Byron Leftwich actually take over. And that's where the offense actually became more explosive. You look at it, uh, the, you know, all the, throughout all playoffs, I think it's been the first time in Super Bowl history that they scored 30 plus points. You know, a team has scored 30 plus points. That's explosive yeah, offense, right? Game, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so that that's also, and then defensively, like I said, from that second half, the way that they played Kansas City, they took a lot of confidence. It's just like what you just mentioned when Brady's threw uh, 50 touchdowns, they were undefeated. The Giants, right? They took the, the, the Patriots to the, you know, the last play. Well, they got confidence from that. And then when they played in the Super Bowl, it's a different, it's a different, it was a different story. Kind of the same type of deal where Brady took, a little bit of kind of like the Giants. We're going to beat you up physically and run the ball, hit you with play-action passes, no turnovers, and our defensive line is just going to whoop your tail. Well, let's look all the way back to when Brady beat Mahomes two years ago. It's the same type of game plan. Brady knows how to beat you in, in different ways. That's why he he is the greatest quarterback. He can he can go out and throw for a ton of yards and win and, and, and do that any whole year and win a Super Bowl. He can play small ball, which he did early in his career. He can do a little bit of both. And then he can just kind of facilitate and control the whole game on how he plays quarterback. You know what I'm saying? That's and, the part to me that, that honestly impresses me the most out of all of the stuff with Brady. To me, it's his ability to be able to do those various things and be totally fine with it, right? Because I don't think every quarterback would be okay with, hey, I'm used to being high-flying, throwing all these passes around and scoring touchdowns and getting glory, and then all of a sudden being kind of worried about that label of the game manager or the facilitator. I don't think everybody is built that way to do that. No, and when they when – they, I mean, they talked about Brady walking around the whole field and taking pictures with everybody's family and their friends and stuff like that, right? And then you hear about him in the in the in the locker room that he's just one of the guys. Right. That's how he plays. And I've been on teams where quarterbacks have that ego where, you know, you know, you know, say you have family in town, you just want a quick autograph where they wouldn't do it, or that this star player that's not one of the guys. Brady's one of the guys. He's legendary talking about how much beer he can drink, right? Even though he's really, really healthy, which probably you know, helps him, you know, process beer, not maybe get so drunk or whatever, but he's legendary when, you know, the few times that he lets loose that he gets down with the guys. That's how he is. He's not, he, I mean, of course, every, every 
successful person or athlete is going to have an ego, right? Um, and, and have confidence in himself, but he's not arrogant, right? And he has a ton of confidence in himself and he builds that into his team. He's one of the guys that's no fakeness. Um, and he is who he is and, and he's, he's developed over time. And he learned it probably with New England. Nobody's bigger than the team. You're, you're part, you're a part of, you're a part of the puzzle or your piece of the puzzle. And that's what's helped him go to another organization and brought that winning attitude and, and up, you know, uptick the expectations twofold and everybody, you know, encompassed it, you know, they, they were okay with it and they bought into it. And so, um, you know, Tom Brady's a unique leader. When you look at leadership, that's what, if you're looking for a quarterback, right. Whether it's at, let's say, say I call college football, professional sports, I call NFL entertainment, right. So if you're looking for a quarterback and leadership quality, that's what you need to look for. What Tom Brady has. Is he one of the guys is he willing to put the team before himself? And he's always, can he be like a chameleon? Can he throw for 400 yards if I need him? Or can he throw for 120 when I need him to do it? And then can he affect the game in all three phases? And when you try to, when you get a guy like that, he's going to be a guy that's going to win you more games than not. And you're going to be winning uh, bigger games more than, more than you're going to lose them. And, uh, and he's made it into our art form and it ain't going anywhere. You no, know what I'm saying? I mean, it's no. I mean, if Tom Brady went to the Bears, you know, the the Jets or something, they would play better. Now, would they meet the? You know, obviously, you need talent around. I mean, when he's got those offensive weapons and they brought in some guys, I mean, it's it's a you know obviously easier. But when you think about it, they would play better because he knows how to play the game, and that's what's so funny is that these guys that every year you hear about, you know, like the quarterback from BYU and all these other guys, they're it's all a crapshoot. But all these scouts and stuff are trying to uh, rewrite the, you know, the, the cliff notes or rewrite the, the history of how to play quarterback. And that's the one position that you can't change because you have to play the position to excellence. You don't have to be an excellent athlete in order to play that position. It's not, it, it, you know, you got, it's not necessarily about arm strength. It's not about height, weight, speed. You have to be able to play the position of quarterback. And it's hard to do right now because it's not being taught at, at the younger levels. So that's why you see older quarterbacks playing so much longer because they were taught how to play the quarterback position effectively. You get guys coming in now that are just, you know, kind of playing the position and everything else kind of goes along with it. And if you, you know, you know, hit, you know, hit, you know, a, a lottery ticket, then yeah, you get a good five years out of them. Tom Brady's been doing this bad boy is going to be on 20 some years. It ain't, it ain't getting any, you know, it ain't slowing down at all. And so the league is in trouble. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm curious um, with this, and I don't, know, I don't know if we could say it's about to be a run for Tampa Bay or what it is. This period of time for Tampa Bay right now, as long as they can keep things kind of together, um, they should be in the hunt. because, And if you're in the hunt and you have that guy at quarterback, then you'll take it, right? It, it's kind of like, and it, as he was saying that, it kind of actually reminded me of LeBron going to the Lakers in a way where we talk about Tom, if he went to the Jets, like he would make them better. Like the Lakers have a better history than say the Jets. Um, and so that's, it's different that way. But that those guys didn't know how to win when LeBron went there and then they completely changed um, the roster as well. Like Tampa had to make some tweaks to get that going, but you knew that it was going to be, it was just a matter of time because how those guys operate 
and how they will bring guys along with them. Um, but real quick, the one thing that I wanted to make sure we got to, and we've we gone 20 minutes without mentioning the Huskers that won. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's where I want to go, too, with the defense. So, like, you had three Huskers, or former Huskers, um, with Sue, Levante, David, who I'm, I'm happy got his due finally, um, and then um, Khalil Davis uh, getting his uh, Super Bowl ring as well. Um, great to see those guys all on defense, um, all part of that front seven for Tampa Bay um, that were just wrecking havoc uh, last night. They held the Chiefs to 350 yards of total offense. I mean, the game plan that Todd Bowles put together, and we talked earlier, we started the show talking about kind of Tyreek Hill and what happened, what he did um to the Bucks in that that game that they played during the regular season where he hit them for 13 catches for 269 yards and three touchdowns. He didn't come close to sniffing that last night. They, right. made, they made some great adjustments um, when it came to how they were bracketing both um, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, but then also to be able to do that. And this is the thing that impressed me probably the most about the Bucks defense is, yes, they double-team those guys, especially Tyreek Hill, basically every play to take them out of the game. But the you'll be able to speak to this better, of course, but like the ability, though, and faith that that showed in the other guys that are left out on islands is incredible. Because then when you're not doubling Travis Kelsey and you basically have to tell Levante David, hey, you're 9 or 10, I want you to go out there and guard one-on-one the best tight end of football and him to do that very well. Like I can't say enough about what that defensive game plan was. And I wish they could have found a way. And I know Brady, you know, he's deserving, but I wish they could have found a way to have a defensive MVP coming out of that game. You had to have loved seeing the defensive play uh, from Tampa Bay last night. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, look, I'm happy for Indomitian Sue, uh, you know, to win. I mean, look, he was up in Detroit on some, Let's just say some real lean teams, right? Uh, right. Up there in Detroit. Um, right. Just being nice. And then Levante David, same, same, putting up great numbers kind of under the radar. How many times when the Pro Bowl, you know, votes come out, how does he not make it, right? And, he, you know, finally he's gotten his just due. And the great thing about it, he had a little bit of hamstring injury. He obviously came out and said he was going to play, uh, but stepped up to the challenge and locked Kelsey down. Yes, Kelsey had 10 catches, 133 yards. I'm talking about one-on-one with Levante David. Levante David not only made the tackles when he needed to, he won the possession, the tip balls, the the pass breakups. Um, he did a phenomenal job. And uh, Dominican Sue had a sack and, and brought the pressure up the middle. And Davis is, is able to go from, you know, you know, losing here as a Husker to go to win a championship. Now he's playing with house money. He's obviously – I think he surprised a lot of people throughout the whole year how good he he was and is. And so I'm happy for them. But then I'm really happy for, um, you know, the defense of Tampa Bay. It would have been really good for either Levante David to get it, Shaq Barrett, you know, Brady, hey, you know, like, hey, I'm going to come with you, kind of like he did with Malcolm Butler, right? Remember when they uh, beat Seattle? Or he could say, hey, you know what, I'm going to give this thing to Todd Bowles. I've been to, you know what, I've been to Disney World too, too much. I ain't seen my family in 12 days because they let them prepare for it. Um, you know, I'm going to send somebody else. That would have been really, really good. Or they could have had a co-MVP because uh, it was definitely deserving. And uh, it, it was. I'm really happy for Levante David, for a guy that, uh, I will say this, uh, you know, only playing here for two years, uh, you know, you kind of be like, oh, well, where does he – fit in Nebraska's history, you know, as far as linebackers. I think that right now, um, he, 
he's probably I, I'd say he's the best linebacker to play here straight up um, from what he did in college. And I think he's the best. Um, that's just my opinion. You know, there, you know, the, I, I just, I don't, I don't see anybody better. Um, and, you know, it's just my opinion. Does it mean anything? No, but I just think, you know, I've studied Nebraska players. He's legit. He's not, you know, all his stats that he's gotten aren't the JOPs and, and, you know, um, there's been some guys that have played here, have eight tackles. And, you know, you watch the film, you think he got eight tackles. Next thing you know, he's got 15, right? It, it, he, everything he's got, he's earned. Um, and so I'm really, really happy for him to get it. And also, guess what? He's a free agent, right? Um, I think he's been nine years in the game. Um, so it would be interesting. Tampa brings him back. They should bring him back. Um, and so if not, you know, some there's going to be people out there that are going to pay a premium for Levante David because now – um, he's opened the door for a lot of small linebackers, even though the league has been kind of transitioning to this. Now, instead of looking for the safety position to deal with these tight ends, now you know that you, this, what, this is what can happen if you have a linebacker that's uh, physical at the point of attack and, and uh, can cover space and has good ball skills. And that's what Levante David is and uh, he did last night. Yeah, and it's, it's good, good too because and, and there's only so many um, guys like this and probably just a handful like, you know, Levante David level around the league. But what they were able to do defensively because he could handle Travis Kelsey, handle with air quotes, um, but stay in it with him to allow to free up that safety to be able to do other things um, was just so helpful. But I also think that, you know, you know Shaq Barrett had such a great game last night. Right. It's funny because those <laughs> – I didn't think, and maybe this is, this is probably my bad on kind of looking at the game and kind of predicting it. I didn't think that Kansas City would struggle as much with pass protection after losing two, those two offensive linemen. Um, I just thought the offense would just keep on humming along. And obviously, we get, we see that you get to a point, man, and this happens. It feels like it happened it for like a five-year stretch. It happened to Green Bay every year where their offensive line was being held together by duct tape by the end of right. the year. And Aaron Rodgers out there running for his life. And then people are like, Aaron Rodgers can't win the big one. I'm like, uh, not necessarily. He just out there yeah. running life. Um, and I hope that we don't get to the point to where when people look at this game years from now and they're just looking at the box score, that they don't think that Patrick Mahomes cost them this game. Because my man has some of the like craziest incompletions you are ever going to see. That one where he was like horizontal with the ground, right? The ball, and it was late in the game, and it hit the guy in the face mask. There was one um, actually early in the game that Tyreek Hill should have caught. To be honest, yeah, yeah, hit him on out the face mask. You know, yeah. I mean, those are just see that's it. But here, here's what people don't understand: there's two or three guys around them when they were completing those passes. And obviously, yeah. look, Patrick Mary Mahomes has, has, has not been under that type of pressure all maybe in his career, right? Um, not since Test Six Tech. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you got to you got to think that though, though there wasn't anybody around when, you know, they had to make those catches in the season. They would catch wow. it and just kind of walk in the end zone. Um so, you know, look, you know, look, I mean as, as much as, you know, people are going to look at it and say the offensive line, they're, they're still professionals now. They just got their butt kicked. That's all there is mm-hmm. to it. They got flat out whipped. Kansas City didn't look um they didn't look sharp. I mean, when you line up off sides, you jump off sides on a field goal, give them another first down. All their penalties were majority. There was a couple of calls that they got as far as the pass interferences. You know, they were kind of, t- t- you know, touching maybe the one on uh, Honey Badger in the end zone. But all, yeah. of, all the other ones, those were legit. And then the funny thing about it, the one holding call that they got, I think on the interception, 
there was an even worse holding call on the other receiver on the other side of the the field. So that lets you know that they were those were physical those were physical penalties that you were getting beat. Um, and then the mental errors as well. Um, you know, that's just, you know, sometimes you just don't have it. They didn't look sharp. I don't know whether they were distracted, overconfident, or just flat out just wasn't their night. They just did not look good. I think he also in the game plan, they didn't run the – I think Kansas City thought that they could just come in and throw it all over the place, right? And then when that didn't happen, they didn't adjust. I didn't think that they ran the ball effectively or enough to slow down that pass rush because they had some good runs. Um, but then, you know, then, you know, Tampa Bay tightened up a little bit and they just went away from it. I think the screen game uh, was eliminated by the speed of their linebackers and the speed of their defensive line. So that's huge in Kansas City's uh, playbook. And so once you kind of shut down the perimeters and had two safeties, they ran like a, a lot of cover two, uh, cover three, and just had, you know, guys playing top down uh, because the middle of the field was locked down and the outside was locked down by their speed of their linebackers. Uh, it was a, it was a tough, uh, it was a tough go around and uh, you know, you eliminated Tyreek Hill, even though he had 73, 73 yards. So there wasn't a, you know, seven catches, 73 yards. That's just 10 yards. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's a good, right. You, you know I mean? He hit, you know, hit a team up for two fifty in the first half uh, this year. And then when you make Travis Kelsey have 10 catches for 133 yards, again, that's a good day at the office along with the targets that he's had that you know, Levante David single-handedly eliminated uh, you know, it was a good day at office. And that's not, I'm not going to even, you know, shortchange Devin White either. Um, those two guys came. A great play. play. The, the, yeah, those two guys should have won the MVP. That would have been really, really good, I think, it, for the whole idea of that Super Bowl. I mean, them two guys played kind of like Rod Martin did back in the day uh, for the Raiders and they had all those interceptions. They came to play and they were not playing no games with, with uh, the Kansas city chiefs. So um, I don't know how long it'll last because they got, you know, only 14 million in cap space and you got to sign Gronk back, Gronk back. Um, Levante David, I, I think is the biggest one. I think Sue's a free agent, a couple other guys. So um, how they can piece that together, maybe restructure some stuff and uh, be able to make another run um, is going to be interesting to see. So um, maybe they can extend Brady and kind of give him a little bit lower cap number. Uh, because he, you know, I know it was a two-year deal at the beginning, but I'm sure Tampa Bay wants him around for at least a couple more years. Yeah, and it, and as you mentioned about how like like the Chiefs, it seemed like they basically abandoned the run, and you thought they abandoned it too early. So then that uh, the kind of effect of that is then Tampa was able to really pin their ears back. And from ESPN stats and info, Patrick Mahomes was pressured on 29 out of 56 of his dropbacks, which is the most of any quarterback in Super Bowl history. And on the flip side of that, Tom Brady was only pressured four out of the 30 times that he dropped back, which was actually the lowest of his Super Bowl career. Um, that's crazy. <laughs> like, I right. mean, that's also the game, right? Like, I think that right. that there is exactly you know what it was and it's funny like kind of uh playing off of a little bit about Brady and you because you mentioned Gronk and him being a free agent did you see yesterday that the the touchdown catch I think it was the first one that he had actually put him into second place on touchdowns all time in the Super Bowl but I think 13 or 14 and I'm yeah. like, oh, man, that means I was like, OK, that's great. Like, that's really cool. But I was like, oh, he might he must be knocking on the door of first place. And then you remember that that dude, Jerry Rice, is out there and Jerry Rice is in first place uh, for all time Super Bowl touchdown catches with 22 
Yes. There are there are receivers that played whole careers that didn't have 22 touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, there, <laughs> hey, there's there's receivers that have played that haven't had 14. <laughs> right. So, um, oh, alone, man. Those Jerry Rice records are just crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's Jerry Rice is like like stupid. It's like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and obviously until that gets beat, it's like, man, that dude was. I mean, I don't think people really realize how much work Jerry Rice was putting in for how long. So, I mean, it's as dominant as Gronk has been. Um, and then also, I think that I don't know if I mean you got to think the runs that New England has been on with Gronk and Brady. Um, obviously Gronk wasn't there at the beginning, but they've they're always in the AFC championship and so forth and so on. And you got to think that you know the 49ers got knocked off a, a couple times by Dallas and so and upset a couple times, so they weren't able to you know have those extra game or two kind of like uh, New England has. But you know uh, Gronk, he, he, here's the funny thing about it: as the season went on, he looked fresher and looked more explosive. He looked phenomenal last night. Yeah, and yeah. and he looked fresh. He looked explosive. And look, you could say he obviously he's lost a step or whatever you want to say, but homeboy can still catch. He's still six 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 seven two hundred and fifty pounds, and he's still got those big body position, he, body <laughs> position catch radius, and he's got those big old hands. And once he, it looks like he got like two like snow gloves on. That's how big his hands are, and he catches those bad boys, and he can still run after the catch, and it's timely. And this is what people don't understand is that those two know how to win. They know how to prepare to win. They know how to do what they need to, their bodies and minds to get ready to win. And also a pretty cool thing is what people don't understand about Brady. And this is when you talk about leadership, right? He went in there and pretty much put his reputation on the line for Antonio Brown because he sees something in Antonio Brown from a personal standpoint. And again, Brady has the ultimate respect, right? That makes you, it's almost like when coach Osborne walks in the room, it makes you tighten up. And when he says something or he says something to you that, he thinks you're not doing right. You know what? I'm. You know what? He's right. Same with Brady with Antonio Brown. He did it with New England. Thought that he should still be there. Was actually upset that New England cut him, brought him back. Right? You know, Antonio Brown needed 45 catches to get a $250,000 bonus. Made sure he got the shovel pass. Right? The fact that they won him a Super Bowl, he got another 750. Right? And then you haven't heard a peep out of Antonio Brown. You, everybody that said that said he's been the best teammate. Brady lets him, you know, kind of stay in his guest house or whatever. And then also he got him a touchdown on Honey Badger after Brady said, we're coming right after you, right? People don't – I mean, here's the here's fight. People don't understand about Brady. He is a stone-cold killer. You understand? I'm telling you, man. He is ruthless when it comes to competing. Hey, you know, I know he's a handsome dude, got a, you know, got a supermodel wife and all that stuff, and he's got that, you know, all shucks. I'm telling you, he is ruthless. Yeah, when he you competes. See it, though you saw it when he was going back and forth with the honey badger, though. It was right. really like because I don't mean I'm just we get it watching this dude for this long, um, and you and we you've seen it enough come out. But I do think that sometimes people see him and they're like, oh yeah, he's just you know he's the old guy now. He was the pretty boy, but no, <laughs> he got that he got that in him. Oh, like, he- you don't you don't get to this level in this consistent without having that killer in you. Right. And, and that's the funny thing about it. When you think about Brady, I remember playing against him um, a, a couple of times, one in Buffalo and obviously one in Houston. I mean, I hit this man two or three times. Uh, tried to, I mean, I tried to put him through the ground or, you know, I thought I did. 
and, you know, mush him in the face, you know, try to scratch his eyes out. And he kept coming. I mean, I'm telling you, he, and he got better after that. And then once then, obviously it just keeps getting better and better. And, and, uh, He's a guy, you know, he, he, Brady's one of those guys you want to always be like nice to when you're playing. Obviously, you want to obviously destroy him. But once he, you, you can see once he flipped that switch. Yeah, you don't want to give him nothing extra. You, you don't want to give him nothing extra. And also, don't think he wasn't motivated by everybody saying that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest of all time and Tom Brady just got passed by. Don't, don't think this that. Was, this was going to be the passing of the tour. Yeah, yeah. The, the old goat versus new goat. Don't think that he was. Look. There's a reason why his family wasn't around for 12 weeks or 12 days. All right. He was at home in Tampa. He said, listen here, y'all need to go out to Cali. I got to handle this business. I'll see you afterwards. Don't think that he wasn't focused on this. And it does take a family effort. I mean, when you think yeah, about true. Tom Brady, you, you know, most wives wouldn't be, you know, oh, okay, where well, you're sending, you know, we're going away. We want, we ain't going to see you. They're like, Hey, the, the, for the greater good, we got to let, you know, you know, Gotta let dad. Brady, dad go do his thing. And that's a hard thing to do, but he needed to focus. He was highly motivated. They're all in on it. And they know that once football's over that, you know, Tom Brady is going to be, you know, you know, the Super Bowl champ at home. But look, man, I mean, that dude is, is next level. And it's not, you're not going to see another Tom Brady for ever. Patrick Mahomes is going to get there. Deshaun Watson is trying to get there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas City wins it next year, but I think it's a little bit different uh, now when you're the the when you're the hunted versus the hunter, and you're not surprising people. I think when you look at Kansas City this year, they played in a lot more closer games uh, than they had, and that means you know people are getting a little bit closer. I think I, I always point back to the Cleveland game. That's a game Cleveland if they can't Cleveland show, showed up to that game happy to be there because they beat Pittsburgh uh, in the playoffs and didn't compete for the first half. And then by the second half, they were like, man, we can actually win this game. And then they just ran out of time yeah. and they got out coached at the end. And, and so right then and there, if I'm a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's nothing against the Cleveland Browns, I'm thinking like, man, NFL players watch games and they're, and, and they're really realistic, right? They know when a team dominates a game. You, a team can dominate a game and win by like 10 points and knowing it should have been by 20 or 30. Or a team can win by 20 or 30 in the NFL – and know that the game is a lot closer and that you could beat this team. And so I think Tampa Bay took a lot of confidence, obviously looking at how uh, Kansas City ended the season, looking at how they played them, and also took confidence of the teams that they were able to beat on the road in the playoffs. Um, they were more battle-tested, I think, more hungry, and they had a little bit more edge, and it showed last night in a big way. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely did. And I'll be, it'll be interesting to see where both of these teams go because Kansas City now is also in that spot um, where they're going to have to finagle the cap a little bit to try to figure it out um, because you just there are some high-priced guys there now that you – I mean, obviously Mahomes and his deal, Tyreek and his deal, Kelsey is on big one. So you got to figure out how to keep that thing rolling. But that's why you also have, you know, what is Patrick Mahomes, 25, um, and, you know, the – current present and future of the franchise he's got to be able to lift those guys up and, and they and all great quarterbacks run into that Brady didn't in a way because he took less money for so long but Aaron Rodgers has de dealt with this Russell Wilson has definitely dealt with it 
Yeah, up in Seattle too. So we'll see, but that that's where the fun comes in for Kansas City GM. This is where he starts to earn that money um, when you got to piece this thing together and everybody's off those rookie deals. Um, now every week we end the show with a segment that we call "Put Them on Blast," where we basically put somebody on blast for something they did or said. Put them on blast. My favorite segment of the week, and this week I am going with the Detroit Lions, the whole organization. Um, I don't know if y'all caught this. There was a report, and I think it was actually yesterday kind of leading up to the Super Bowl, so it might have got lost in the shuffle, where Adam Schefter reported that when trade talks began between the Rams and the Lions, the first player that Detroit requested in a trade for Matthew Stafford was Aaron Donald. Um, The Rams, to their credit, the Rams did not hang up on them. They just told them that it's not happening. And then they figured out the eventual compensation where the Lions acquired a pair of first-round picks and uh, quarterback Jared Goff uh, in the trade back on January 31st. But come on, man, I got to put them on blast. Listen, on one hand, I will give them a little bit of credit uh, for going out there, uh, putting it all on the table and saying, hey, we're going to aim high, you know, and see where we get but you're not going to get the three-time defensive player of the year for Matthew Stafford. Like, Stafford has been nice in Detroit, but that's kind of crazy. So I'm going to go ahead and put Detroit on blast, even though you you got to a little bit respect the guts that they had to even ask for that before getting hung up on. Yeah, they they. Uh, but you, you know what? Look, if you, if you don't ask for it, you ain't going to get it, right? So you got to say, I mean, ask for the moon and, and, you know, or ask for the stars and maybe you get the moon or whatever the saying is. You can't fault them for asking. Uh, but you got to put them on blast and think that you, for the for the fact that you think Matthew Stafford is that type of quarterback or that dude that you can even with a straight face get Aaron Donald. I think that was just a negotiation tactic. Say, hey, let's ask for Aaron Donald, knowing that we can get Jared Goff. Um, that's an interesting trade just because of the, the you know the familiarity of the GM and he came from the you know obviously the Rams. Um, and how Jared Goff would do and how that relationship with Jared Goff with the contract and his play deteriorated over two, two years. You got to think two years ago, they were in the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, he didn't so play well. It happened to him in right. a short amount of time. Right. And so, you know, with Detroit and you think Matthew Stafford, where it was weird that, you know, he, he went from I'm going to stay and they got talent in Detroit. Don't don't sleep. that. Don't think that Detroit doesn't have talent. I also like that. Yeah. Yeah, I like their GM that they got. They got talent up there, or at least, you know, with Stafford, I thought they had talent. They got Marvin Jones. They got two receivers, uh, got a couple of running backs, a decent offensive line, and a young defense that at times played good. I think Patricia wasn't the good hire for them. I think he it, it alienated a lot of guys. Um, and so that happens sometimes. And so that's, you know, three years of wasted time and a wasted career of Matthew Stafford. Uh, so hopefully Detroit gets it right. Um, I got, yeah, it's great that you put him on blast for asking for Aaron Donald, but. I'm also want to put them on blast um, because they were also called Carolina to try to get Teddy Bridgewater and their pick for Matthew Stafford. I, I think that I'm going to put them on blast because I don't know what film they watched with Matthew Stafford. Maybe it's a different, it was a different league and a different film, maybe a different cut <laughs> that, that I've watched in all 22, but they're going around asking for, you know, a King's ransom, you know, for, you know, a couple, you know, rubles of fool's gold. But, you know, you can't fault them for asking. Somebody's dumb enough to give it to them. They got it. They got um, it. Yeah, they, they get it. So you can't fault them for it. So you can't put them on blast too much. But to ask for Aaron Donald, you have to put them on blast. But uh, it, it definitely is comical. Um, now, back to me, who I'm going to put on blast. I think I'm going to put 
of let's just say guesstimation 20 to well, let me see if there's uh, 20 to 22 GMs throughout the league. And uh-huh. I, I read the report last year or last night about when Tom Brady was a free agent. There was two teams, two, one, two, two that were actually serious about signing them. San Diego Chargers, which is interesting because they had the uh, Herbert, who obviously was phenomenal this year, yeah, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So there's so it's actually about 20, 20 teams because you think there's probably 10 legitimate quarterbacks, two yeah, teams that were serious about signing them. So that leaves you with 20 teams. So 20 GMs out there, all you guys. That's from the Washington Redskins, the Miami Dolphins, to the Minnesota Vikings, the Chicago Bears. I don't care about the Philadelphia Eagles. Um the Denver Broncos, and definitely the Los Angeles Raiders that had the cap space to get him. I'm putting all y'all on blast because this guy here walked into a team that hadn't been in the playoffs in, since 2007, has the most, or the, the, I guess the lowest winning percentage in NFL history, which is that means your whole organization is used to losing. And in one year, in a limited offseason, takes them to the Super Bowl. And you guys are sitting down around there looking at the same chumps that are taking, not only cashing your checks, taking snaps at quarterback, can't play a lick. And this is a guy that's been a, not only a proven commodity, let's just say over two years, right? Because, you, you know, like when you, you, you hear people when they buy businesses, oh, I need like, you know, four years of returns or, you know, four years of, you know, success, right? This guy has 20 years of success. 20 years of success, just lost in the AFC championship, right? And you're sitting up there, you're going to be looking at Sam Darnold. Um, I don't know who – Drew Locke up at Denver, uh, Trubisky at Chicago. You're trying to tell me you can't finagle your, your salary cap or trade some guys to get Tom Brady? And uh, so I'm putting all those 20 GMs or so-called GMs on blast. Some are probably unemployed now, uh, maybe employed somewhere or play other places or are going to be on one of these networks as some smart guys uh, trying to, you know, break down the NFL draft. But – I'm putting all you guys on blast because you guys could have very easily had Tom Brady. Maybe not a Super Bowl, but you could definitely not be at the top end of the draft right now if you had Tom Brady. So I'm putting all you guys on blast. Yeah, and I would actually, like, it's crazy that, and, you know, thinking about the Bears specifically for me, it's like they've been so much better figuring out a way to get Tom Brady with the exact same pieces that they had with that defense, with just having Tom Brady instead of Trubisky and whatever else mess they running out there, like it would have just been such a better situation. But it's crazy because watching the Bucks is and watching the Chiefs in a way, all of that is just like PTSD for me as a Bears fan because <laughs> one, you could have had Tom Brady. You obviously they could have drafted Patrick Mahomes, but the one that we don't even talk about anymore is they hired Mark Tressman over Bruce Arians. Like, oh yeah. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Remember that Bruce Arians, when he was out of coaching and like he um could have gone anywhere at that point, the Bears could have hired him then and chose Mark Tressman. So it's just been a comedy of errors around there um at Old Hallis Hall for years now. They deserve everything they get. And, uh one day we're just gonna have to luck into something good. Yeah, I mean look, the Bears are a story. The one thing about the Bears that's funny, no matter if it's a good year or bad year, they're always gonna have D, right? Yeah, they're always gonna, they're just they always gonna be able to play D, D in Chicago, but the one thing that's hurt them, what I'm thinking back to Kyle Orton, uh, Rex Grossman, all these different teams with all the players they've had on defense, they just can't get the quarterback right. And look, I don't, for whatever reason, you got to think Bruce Arians is probably the Caucasian version of uh, Eric Bieniemy. You remember how many times in offenses that he's led 
and he would always get passed over for a job. And then finally, uh, when the coach got uh, sick in, in Indianapolis, he, and he went on that run with Andrew Luck, they were like, actually, he can be a head coach. Right. And then he got his job. Then he went down to Arizona and had some success. Um, so, and then Eric, it's the same thing's happened with Eric Bieniemy. He's been passed over. He hasn't got a chance yet. But it's just funny when you go back and look at all the organizations that kind of turned their nose up at Bruce Arians, right? You got to think about that. And then how many coaches they've had since and how many failed uh, quarterback, quarterback head coach relationships they had since then. When you look at Bruce Arians, everywhere he's been, he's had, you know, r- good success with his quarterbacks. Even with James Winston. The only thing that James Winston didn't do well was able to protect the ball and he wasn't as polished as Tom Brady. That, that's honestly got true. He, but Bruce Arians and him still produced. Many interceptions, yeah. Yeah, he just, he, they still produced on offense, like scoring touchdowns and yards. They just didn't, uh, you know, the interceptions were bad. But uh, so it, it's interesting how the NFL and, and, and time will tell um, these, these decisions and then it messes up a whole organization, not only for when you have them, you know, it'll have that, you know, bad hire and bad quarterback. Like think of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, it messes it up for like years afterwards. And it, and it, sometimes it takes a while for them to recover. And you just look at Tampa Bay uh, before Tony Dungy got there. And then afterwards, you know, Gruden did obviously win the Super Bowl, but then they had to kind of recalibrate themselves. And it took a little while because you didn't have the quarterback, you didn't have the defense. And then, you you know, you kind of kind of went through some different coaches uh, and leadership. And then it took a little while before uh, Jason Light, you know, the, former Nebraska Husker, Nebraska Westland guy came down there and got it right and won a, net, or won a Super Bowl, excuse me, um, uh, with, uh, you know, good leadership. So, you know, good GMs make good decisions. It's probably easy for him. Hey, look, I'm going to fall into Tom Brady and uh, win. Tom wanted to come there, and a year later, you won a Super Bowl. That's right. You know, more Nebraskan guys uh, coming through in the clutch. Um, so go ahead. We're going to leave it there for this week. Subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen to them. Uh, rate us. Leave us a five-star review. If you leave four, I'm inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, make sure that you are checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, uh, the Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club, uh, more to it, and the Hill Varsity Radio Show. Make sure you're also checking out the Hill Varsity YouTube page. We'll have a new video up there this week as well, um, and this show. Uh, we, we also have an email at straightupbreakdown at hailvarsity.com, and you can catch us on Twitter at GregSmithHB and at Foreman5644. We will catch you next time. A Media Production.